You know, like most of us, our parents really don't know what we do. So my dad turned 70 last year and, and we were organizing a really cool experience for him with a National Geographic kind of bent to it. So I asked the host, could you do a little video for me? Then we used our software to make a personalized TV channel. We invited the family over for early dinner. Dad came in, gave him a beer. He looked at, you know, just caught a glimpse of the screen, went, oh, oh, look at that, that crocodile, wow. And then he kind of like sat down and I knew I had him. And then out of the screen after a couple of minutes comes the host of the TV show and says, g'day, Rob. Welcome to episode 191 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from inspirational people to help you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Veal, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. I've been passionate about the power of video content for a long time. Being visual, it's possible to achieve strong emotive connection. However, with high volumes of video now used in marketing, it can be hard to make your video stand out. One answer may be to utilise advanced AI software to create extremely personalised video messaging with tailored content produced in real time. Nathan Musson is founder of Emu Media, which has developed a solution to completely personalise video content through AI the footage and content is selected and edited using the viewer's specific profile information. Using personality, behaviour and intent elements, the software creates programmed storytelling videos delivered at mass scale. In this episode of Be The Drop, recorded live from PauseFest, Nathan blows my mind with examples of personalised video content that this software has created. Nathan also shares valuable insight into the power of personalization. This is Nathan's version of Be The Drop. Are you considering starting a podcast? At Narrative Marketing, we deliver a full range of podcast production options. Or if you'd like help getting started to produce your own content, we also deliver podcast training programs. Hit the link in the show notes for more details. Nathan, thank you so much for joining me for our next episode of Be The Drop. Thanks for having me too. Now we're here live at Pause Fest and you're presenting later this afternoon. I am. I'm actually closing so I'm a bit nervous that people may have I'm hoping people will stay around. Oh, I'm sure they will. It's been a very enthusiastic crowd, so I'm sure they'll maintain it through right to the end. Now, you've got a, a mix of a story slash item of significance to get us started and set a little bit of the scene about you and what you're doing. I sure do. Uh, you know, like most of us, our parents really don't know what we do. They don't. They just don't get it. So um, my parents don't know what a podcast is. Ah. No. <laughs> So my dad turned 70 last year and, uh, during December and we were organising a, a massive, like kind of like a really cool experience for him with uh, a National Geographic kind of bent to it. So I asked the host, could you do a little video for me? And he said, yeah, of course, mate. So he did. Then we used our software to make a personalised TV channel. Um, I chose using augmented intelligence, things that I knew dad would really like, oh, my gosh. I couldn't look, he couldn't look away from the screen. So we invited the family over for early dinner. Dad came in, gave him a beer. He looked at, you know, just caught a glimpse of the screen, went, oh, oh, look at that, that crocodile, wow. And then, oh, look at that. And then all oh, that. And, 
And then he kind of like sat down and I knew I had him. Uh, no one else in the family knew what was coming. And then out of the screen after a couple of minutes comes the host of the TV show and says, G'day, Rob. Mate, I heard it's your 70th birthday. Why don't you and the lads jump on a plane to Darwin? I'll meet you there and then we'll go feed some crocs. And my dad, he just burst out. He was nearly in tears. The whole family was just like, wow, how do you do this? And I said, that's what we do. We create amazing personalised experiences. Oh, what a great story. I can literally picture your dad and his response. How lovely. So then explain more. What is this personalised, tailored experience that you're creating? So one of the things we we started to notice um, several years ago is that marketing automation systems were getting really good. Adobe, IBM, they're the big expensive ones. But then you can go down to something as small as like MailChimp. They're getting good at creating personalised profiles, progressive profiling, understanding when to send, what to send, time of day, that sort of thing. We thought, you know what, no one's adjusting the content though, the videos or the visuals. Photos were starting to change a little bit, but really it was they were just sending out to the same personas. And we looked at it and went, when we shoot something, often we deliver the 30-second or the minute, whatever the output is, but there's a terabyte of amazing footage that never gets seen. What if we were to metadata enrich that and then have a look at, you know, who that would be interesting to? What's the personality and tone of that clip? Where would that fit in? And then from that we could, we discovered we could do hundreds if not millions of personalised videos from that one shoot. Wow. So obviously that you mentioned there, there's an element of AI in this because that's a massive database to try and manage and lots of different elements to cross over and, and link together. How does that work? And is that the, the AI space of it? Is it hard to get your head around? What process was involved in that? I've got a really simple whiteboard that I did several years ago and I titled in the middle like a user behaviour exchange and what I, all we really need, uh, they're called like cognitive APIs. It's like little connectors on the whiteboard. It's a red line and a green line. It's info in and out of tiny moments. And what we want to look for is significant moments and on information that would create um, some sort of like insight that goes, oh, this is what this person needs to see next. So in tourism, a lot of that can be done before you get to the, the, the hotel or the hospital, you know, where you're going. And it can be like quite fun. It can be really, really short. It can show you, you know, what, what's on. The, it can introduce you to some of the staff. Um, you know, if, it, if they know that you're male, female, two kids, the B-roll can be a family with young kids. Um, if it's you on a business trip, then you don't want to see the kids in the clip. So we can remove those things. They can come in and out. Uh, we can add in your rooms. We did a really cool one for a university where every single kid got a unique onboarding told to them by a kid who's one year ahead of them doing their course. It's, I, I mean, that kind of my mind is like boggling. I mean, we've been involved in, in video editing and, uh, it's a big process, but so I'm, I'm not quite sure that I can understand how you can edit it that many different ways. Yeah. <laughs> my mind so, is reeling. <laughs> in my talk, I'm actually going to show the first Excels. Um, I hate spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, but to do something like this where you're introducing a programmatic effect, you have to be really accurate. Uh, and then the editors have to, re- the shooters really have to understand that this is not a single story. 
Uh, we're looking for moments that could be uh, gender-based, cultural-based. Um, then it, in the case of the, the university, it's course or campus, faculty course, um, and start picking all these things up. So it's, it's a large amount of pre-production, um, post getting it ready, and then metadata enriching the content into a, a CDN, a content delivery network. Uh, say like an Amazon or, or the like where then you can use a, a little script, a piece of code that runs across and goes, oh, okay, so we've got so-and-so, they're, look, they're going to which this campus, they're doing this course at this faculty, this, compile that story and it only compiles it at that moment. Mm. So it's like editing on demand. It is. Oh, it's, um, I mean, it's pre-edited but It's all pre-edited, compiled. yeah. Mm. It's, um, yeah, it's produced on demand. Yeah, so, I mean... How many parameters can it cope with? Like, you, I mean, obviously, and you mentioned that there's a lot of pre-production that's required for that. You know, how big is this? You know, how far do you go? How do you, because, I mean, you know, often in marketing we talk about a buyer persona. So this is like giving yourself a really good breadth of, of buyer personas. You know, how many can you deal with? The uni one was we broke Adobe Sensei. <laughs> it was one million variable storylines. No, really? Um, it, it, was, it was really cool. Um, I almost can't believe it. <laughs> um, I've got a, a link for pause. Um, do you, sh- you share things in the show yeah, notes? Yeah, yeah, we'll add it in the show notes, 100%. Yes, please include And uh, inside that it starts to show you um, what it looks like how it compiles. It, I've got most of our examples, so from a tourism aspect. Uh, we're also looking at how we might be able to help people in states of emergency. Mm. So this summer has been the most devastating summer of fires we've ever seen in Australia. Yes, I'm based in the Adelaide Hills. We were surrounded oh, by them. Yes, It was awful. So one of my favourite places, uh, we have my family has a small little uh, place in Wollombi, which is Lower Hunter Valley, and I love going just across the way to Yango National Park, which got wiped. And it has a really significant Aboriginal Dreamtime storytelling past there. And there's this beautiful rock that has uh, engravings in it that are thousands of years old that tell you the lore of the land. So all visitors would come past and stop on this rock. The locals would meet them, interpret, tell and share the story and welcome them on. Uh, so I love going there. And then I started seeing the devastation of what occurred. Anyway, I don't like sharing things about pain, but what we can do now is that the reason people don't take action fast enough is they don't believe the information they're getting. So if we can design experiences which can reach people just at the right moment with imagery that is actually from that area at that time, they can see what it's like. So... We presented at um, Democst in uh, US late, late last year and asking for video tech guys to help. Um, and we'll be presenting again in about two weeks' time at Sydney Video Tech, where if we could use like user-generated content, body-wearable cams from the emergency services, could that content be then curated into a CD, a content delivery network that's validated by the fire services or the emergency service? So it is authenticated, it's geolocated, and then trim down. So when the messages get pushed out on apps, the app knows where you are. 
And the imagery could be reflecting and then using third-party data about time of day, weather, um, wind, road closures, and help show you what it's like so that if you think, oh, no, that road would be fine, and then you look at it, you're like, oh, no, that road is very not fine. Mm, And what a beautiful example of the power of combining technology with story and communication. That's really powerful. Yeah, it is. People often bucket us into just video, but it's visual messaging. Having software that can pull pieces apart and drop others in over the top, you've got infinite testing. Mm. So then what are the benefits that you're seeing from some of these examples? So, for example, the university um, project and having that tailored onboarding um, experience for each student depending on what course they were going through. What's the feedback from that? One of the girls who was actually one of the lead characters in it, uh, when we interviewed her afterwards, she broke down and cried. Uh, and she, good tears, I hope. <laughs> yeah, she actually thought this was the best thing she's done in her life. Right. Why? What was, what's the power of this? She was so scared coming to uni. She hated school. It was more important to her uncle that she went to university. She didn't think she'd see anyone that, she, that was like her there. Um, she had this cultural background. She was really, really anxious. So when we showed her what the type of stories we're going to create, she was like, I'm in 100%. I needed this. And why she needed it was because we could use a couple of um, data points, but we could also make a few assumptions. So we could adjust the B-roll. So if we knew a little bit more about them, which is just all normal data, enrolment data. So there's nothing, um, no third party, nothing further than that, just what we knew from their enrolment. Um, We could actually show um, people in the B-roll that were similar to her. And we could choose um, the more she watched or or so, the storyline adjusted to be more suited to her. And the person telling the story was one year ahead of her who also resonated and said, you know what, I didn't really want to be here, but, and then took them on the journey. Mm. And so, you know, why, why do you think there's a benefit in personalised, tailored content to that degree? Because that's what they watch on their channels. We all, we all have um, a channel or a host or someone that, we, that resonates with us. And there's as many as, you know, Uh, like podcasts and YouTube channels, there is just so much out there, but we watch the ones we watch and those people resonate with us. And when you find them, you're in their tribe and then you share that with your friends. So doing anything that's different, um, we always try and test. We're always looking to push the the envelope, but this was just resonated really well. Let's get a kid who looks similar to what um, they and talk about what they're going through in a really, you know, up close, you know, iPhone, like phone style, um, you know, storytelling. Mm. And, you know, one of the reasons I talk about why podcasting has become, I think, more and more popular is it's this part of this self-curated content capacity. So Netflix is is built on that as well. You know, I can watch what I want, when I want, when I want, how I want. And it's the same with podcasting. You know, I can listen to what, the who, when, wherever. I can part listen in the car and then I'll finish it at home. It's that freedom of choice. So what you're talking about is taking that video content and dispersing it in that way. Yeah, correct. Correct. Um, and just like the experience I said at the start with my dad is that 
I knew by choosing those, and if we we could have used data points, um, like his Netflix account, he, you know, the whole sort of bunch of things like that. So if Netflix wanted to curate and create a personalized trailer for what's on tonight or this weekend, how easy would that be? They know so much about what you like to watch. Mm. So dad could not look away. He kept glancing and but back straight at it again because I knew that part of that minute there was something in there that he had to keep watching. Well, do you know, I would quite like a personalised trailer for Netflix because there's so much on there. I'm like, how do I choose? So you could go and do that. I would quite appreciate that. (laughs) It would be a benefit to me. (laughs) It would be a benefit for me too. Yeah, you can actually use this software for that. So um, this software has, um, we've adapted it from a broadcast quality version that Channel 9 and 7 use. Uh, so we've just made it, uh, we've atomized the content. So instead of it like a, a series of shows of like, you know, 20, 30 odd minutes sort of thing, we're down to points of seconds. Mm. So, you know, you, a marketing background, yes, but this to me seems very tech. Uh, <laughs> How are you coping with the transition, you know? <laughs> all my life I've used the collective we, mm-hmm. meaning we are who we are with. So I, am, I surround myself with interesting, creative people, beautiful minds who want to do good. Uh, so I am not a tech person. <laughs> Got a good grasp of what's possible, uh, but more so where to find that person to help. Mm. And so what would be your advice then? Like how do you go out and find the right people to connect with on a project of this sort of scale? You come to pause. <laughs> Uh, this, this is actually my first pause. I've wanted to come many, many, many years. And then when um, I spoke to George last year and he said, mate, would you like to be? I was like, yes, please. Um, I love meetups. Uh, so I'll go to probably four to six meetups a month because um, I, I know people who want to share. You have to be where they want to share. I'm really interested in this AI space. You know, there's a mix of reactions to it. You know, is it going to take jobs? Uh, you know, is it going to be, and you sort of touched on this, invasive into our privacy? But what you're talking about is really value add, you know, some of these things like helping with emergency response information, um, but also, you know, and, and helping make new university students feel more comfortable starting their course. Like the, these are our life benefits that I think everyone can go, oh, that's really great. So, you know, what would you say to people around AI and using that in these types of solutions? We, the ethical boundaries, are, they come up all the time. Who are you to say what's good and what's right? Uh, so we, we try to draw a line in the sand regularly um, and we look for clients where the intent is positive. Uh, you know, and I think that's the only place where we can start. There is so much good that it can do and there's so much harm. Um, so I try to surround ourselves with people who are in like social entrepreneurship, uh, B Corps, uh, people who are just trying to do, make, make life in the world better. Um, and I bounce the ideas off them and they usually challenge and open up uh, parts of it that we hadn't thought of. Ultimately though, it does come back to the software and the client because it's their software that's doing the progressive profiling. It's our software that's matching to that. So we do have, um, we always, we're always going to be learning. Hmm. Well, thank you so much, Nathan, for sharing your story and this exciting 
communications tech mix mashup. I look forward to seeing that and get onto the Netflix thing. That would be great. It would be. (laughs) In conclusion, though, could you share with me Nathan's Be The Drop tip? So that's your top tip for communication that motivates and inspires. I really feel that um, it needs to be progressive. It needs to... Our communications need to understand our velocity for consumption. If we're just browsing, slow it down. If we are hungry for that content, make it really snackable and fast. And that's where I think in the future, AI will assist because it'll have such a great understanding of our time of day, our calendar, what we're thinking. Maybe it's by the music we're listening to. Are they more relaxed? This is slowing down. Okay, the content needs to be delivered based on our, on, on, the moment in time that we're in. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.